becomes Santa Claus, here becomes Santa Claus, but he's really not like you think he is. Why is Santa threatening and being violent to people, Janine? I'll tell you why. Because it's Mel Gibson, the most hey. inappropriate person to play Santa in the history of Santa <laughs> films. I will not yes. defend Mel Gibson, but I will defend the Santa Claus. He was not... <laughs> He was pushed to a point of threatening people. He was pushed to a point of threatening people. I am looking forward to talking about this movie we have today, Janine. On this week's new Morgan Hasn't Seen, we are talking Fat Man from 2020, actually. Yeah. The most recent movie we've ever done. I know. Or Morgan Hasn't Seen, possibly. We'll have to look back in the archive <laughs> to find out if that's true or not. But it feels like it is. It certainly feels like it is. Yes. Fat Man. Holiday movies series. All December, of course. On Morgan hasn't seen. We do have Mel Gibson as Santa. And as Janine pointed out, he's actually quite good as this type of Santa, he to is. be fair to him. The world they've built here is really fun and a really smart way to distinguish it from kind of the generic thing we constantly see. Um, and I like when they do this kind of real world situation. Like Santa has money problems. Santa has production problems. Like they show Santa as a businessman. Like, like they make him like a small business owner. <laughs> they do. They do very much treat him like that. I mean, you feel like you got a little bit of the businessman-ish side of Santa in, like, the Santa Claus. Yeah. Tim Allen and all that business. When Santa was a little bit more realistic and down-to-earth. But obviously that series of movies still is full of magic and wonder and all kinds of things, isn't it? Yeah, it's full of that sort of stuff, full of fantasy. This movie virtually has no fantasy element to it whatsoever. No, it's it feels very real. It would take out the Santa element, and it's about a guy uh, who has a business that's struggling. He's trying to do what he can to keep it going, and then all of that other assassination stuff is, is thrown in there. Like this yeah, he's... could this doesn't have to be a movie about Santa Claus, but the fact that it is is really fun. It is. It is. It's certainly the most unique take I've seen on, on actual Santa Claus. Because there's obviously been pretty dark, gritty Christmas movies in the past. There's obviously been Christmas horror movies. But this character Mel Gibson's playing is actually Santa Claus. Like Santa Claus. Not somebody playing a mall Santa. Or somebody dressed up as Santa or somebody pretending to be Santa. This is legitimate, actual, magic Santa Claus who delivers presents. Yeah, and like... Same character. But he's, he's played by a fairly crotchety Mel Gibson in layers upon layers of what looks like hunting clothing and a big hat. And I mean, the extent of the magic is um, 
him just kind of knowing he knows who's naughty yeah. who, who's nice he remembers people's names like he knows like he doesn't have to meet you to know who you are so like he'll see you and know you're that person you were that kid um you have a family you have this going on so when uh, a woman in his town who runs the local bar he goes to the bar uh to hang out he sees her flirting with a guy sitting at the bar when she steps away for a minute he goes to the guy and tells him, hey, Jim, you might want to rethink, you know, what you're going to do. You know, if you drive straight through, you can get home to your family for Christmas. <laughs> like, you know, and like trying to put moral things into people who are already planning naughty things in their head. Um, so that's about the extent of the magic that, that we is. see in the film. And that's even that is mean. kind of, yeah. And I think that even that is, is, uh, an element they try to kind of ground in reality as well. So I really, I really love this take. Definitely. You know, if, if it was any more, then y it would almost feel a little bit off tonally. Yeah. And I think we had that sometimes. Was it with mixed nuts that felt off tonally? Yes. It was that, kind of all was over the, the place. Recent movie. Yes. That we had. I know Mixed Nuts was a little bit all over the place with these plots that we talked about last week, but I'm sure there's been a different movie on Morgan hasn't seen recently that felt very weird tonally, but I can't quite remember what that was now. I'm losing my mind, as, <laughs> I, as I'm sure are we all. But <laughs> Fat Man certainly knew what it was, and it yeah. certainly goes for it, and I think yes. it succeeds in, in, in doing what it set out to do. I don't think it'll be a movie that everybody will particularly like because there's times in it that feel ridiculously pessimistic and anti-Christmas almost. But well, yeah, I think even... Day, <laughs> yes, sorry, at the end of the day, it still ends. It might end with Santa threatening small children. But in a way, for this movie, that's the most positive way it could have ended. Yes, and... um. I think uh, the, even this Santa goes through a moment of being pessimistic and it, ta it takes his wonderful Mrs. Claus to kind of show him like, look at these kids. Like this girl wanted to be, you know, a firefighter. You got her this little firefighter thing when she was a little girl. And now she's a firefighter. Like she had to remind him of the impact he has had on children and that he continues to have, whether he feels it or not, because kind of how the story starts is, from Santa's perspective is um, he's just hearing more and more and seeing more and more about kids just being bad and the world kind of going to shit and all these awful stories about kids doing bad things. So he ends up having to deliver over the past few years, more coal than actual toys. So yeah. toy production is down and um, there's like an actual like contract with the U S government <laughs> and Santa where he produces the toys it helps retailers and like Santa is part of that as a, is the big cog in that whole system of holiday shopping and, and, and buying and selling and all of that. So because he's not delivering as many toys because kids are so bad, he's delivering more coal. It's causing his budget to go down and, and the government not funding him enough because he's not producing as much toys. So it's that's like... like a vicious cycle, isn't it? That's like yes. he's not producing enough toys because the kids aren't being good, so he's getting more 
you know, sad or whatever. But so... then, or the, or the spirit of Christmas is dwindling, shall we say? Yeah. But then, if the spirit of Christmas keeps dwindling, then the children aren't going to believe in Christmas as much as they did. So they're going to be even worse. So the so he's going to end up delivering more coal, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But for some reason, why Santa is involved in this ridiculous level of commercial capitalism is an element I don't particularly care for in the movie, to be honest with you. Well, I, I think mean, that's... Why does perfect magic Santa have to be just... Why, why does he have to be big retail? Why can't he just be some nice, happy Tim Allen Santa? Well, I think that is what is is putting it and grounding in reality. Um, it is, of course it is. Um, the fact that like he actually has a contract with the U.S. government and they provide him a budget like any business, you know? Um, yeah. And so because they're cutting his budget. So then he's under these kind of financial constraints. Um, I I liked that element. Um, the part when he has to go to his factory. So they say, hey, to, you know, subsidize your budget and get more money coming in. Um, you could do this military contract where your, your elves are going to be making military stuff for us. So you can get that money. Um, and the fact that he doesn't want to have to do that and put that on his workers in the moment when he has to go tell them and you see him get really emotional like I loved that. Like I loved feeling like Santa was just a small business trying to do well. He's in it for this Christmas spirit and doing it for the kids and all of these things. And the corporatization of it is being put on him so that he can yeah. do what he needs to do. So I liked that element. It definitely was a strong way to set it apart and really ground it. Um, so I actually really thought that element was interesting. Don't get me wrong, I appreciated it for its unique take. And I think, you know, it works perfectly with this movie and the the story this movie's going for, the tone this movie's going for, the message ultimately that this very direct, rather threatening message that this movie <laughs> is trying to go for and actually pulling off, to be fair to it, so it fit. It all fits perfectly well. It's just sometimes in your Christmas movies, Janine, whether this is, is me or whatever, if it's not a Christmas horror movie, I happen to want magic and wonder and nice things. Yes. <laughs> rather than misery and financial strain <laughs> and threatening violence and assassins <laughs> and well, creepiness. I... <laughs> I just think it's interesting to see Santa have to deal with these things. And then it also adds that other layer of showing how much he cares about, you know, his elves, his staff, his employees, his business. He cares. Um, and it, it's frustrating to him to see kind of the world just not doing well and not believing and all of those things. So definitely some really great, interesting elements um, that I think definitely set it apart because we've seen this story we've seen this character you know this entity so many times so i think yeah. they had to they had to do something different um yeah so. I, re I really really appreciate the fact that that they did like i said we have seen dark christmas movies before but they have not directly been not that i can remember about actual santa 
like what's the what's the dark Christmas movie everybody goes to first? Usually Bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton, right? Yeah. Which is like, oh it's oh it's all gritty, oh it's Santa, but he's rude and naughty, but it's not actually Santa. This is Yes. Mel, Mel Gibson's actually Santa. And again, to give credit to Mel Gibson, he does do a really good job. He I mean, does. obviously, <laughs> obviously, he's a particularly divisive individual who nobody likes as a person and nobody probably should like as a person. He's kind of terrible, but he's also a really good actor and a pretty good filmmaker as well. And you can't take that away from him. No, I mean, I, he really had me caring about this Santa. I really loved what he was going through. Like I said, that whole scene when he has to tell his workers that, you know, I'm sorry, we have to take you away from making toys to do these government contracts because, or these military contracts because we're just not doing well. Um, and that being so hard for him, his eyes welling up with tears. Um, his whole relationship with Mrs. Claus is really great. Like their dynamic and their kind of partnership and teamwork. There's a whole scene where, you know, uh, through a lot of the movie, he's hearing all these stories on the news and on the radio about, you know, kids doing terrible things. And he's just losing his, you know, hope for, um, you know, the Christmas spirit and all these things. And, uh, you know, she, Mrs. Claus is trying to keep him positive and, and, and remembering why he's doing this. And he has a yeah. nice moment where he just apologizes to her for not being a good partner and for, you know, not supporting her in, in what she needs and hearing her out. And um, so, yeah, their whole teamwork and partnership is really well. And I, I think, you know, he made me kind of forget that it was Mel Gibson. And I, I just really kind of really cared about this Santa and what he was going through and his relationship with Mrs. Claus. And I really cared about them and really cared about their business and cared about them, you know, uh, winning the day. So um, yeah, definitely a testament to, you know, him being a good actor. So I, I, I get, I get that. <laughs> and I feel that as well. I do feel that. I feel like, you know, he does make you forget that it's Mel Gibson playing Santa but obviously, Janine, you know how I watch movies. And I wasn't watching Santa. I was just watching Mel Gibson. Because <laughs> that's how I watch movies. Everybody's just their actor, just in different movies. Nobody's ever an act actually a character. I mean, for God's sake, I've watched some MCU movies and that sort of stuff in the past and just been referring to people as their actor's name and that's something where you should really be just focusing yeah on that is iron man <laughs> that is iron man is like no no that's robin i don't go that far okay i don't go that far but i i, I feel what you're saying there. i do feel what you're saying he does do a genuinely really good job and his relationship with mrs claus and mrs claus in general who is called ruth in this yes. movie, we should say Ruthie. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, there's no actual Santa and Mrs. Claus. It, it's Chris Kringle. Yes, Ruth. yeah, Ruth Kringle um, mm -hmm. or Ruth Kringle, whatever. Yeah, um, Ruth's really good as well. Like she may be the, the actually one of the more notable Mrs. Clauses I've seen in a movie. Like Mrs. Claus gets sidelined so often yes. in movies about Santa, but Ruth didn't. 
No, Ruth she had stuff to do. Um, you know, she has, you know, a lot of moments where she's driving the story, where she's in contributing, um, lots of fun moments. Their whole rapport is really funny and cute at moments. Um, yeah, definitely. She she was great. She was really great. I like I liked her a lot. They're a very believable, wholesome. Yes. <laughs> like they, I appreciated that. I loved how in sync they were. You know, she knew just what to say and what to do. Um, she was very sweet, but also kind of, you know, sassy, but sweet. Like um, when she makes a bunch of cookies for the elves and she's like, why don't you take a break? And they're like, oh, I'd really rather not. She's like, I wasn't asking. And like, she says that, you know, she's the boss, but she says that like in the sweetest way. <laughs> yeah. And the elf is like, okay, I guess I'll let them know we're taking a break. <laughs> The elves, the elves as well. I, I like the fact that they're actually elves. Yes. Like that is one, again, just to make it doubly clear, this is actually Santa. This is not just some toy maker. There's actual elves here. Yes. That tiny layer of magic that you just keep in there. Not that the elves ever do anything magic. They are just simply pointy-ear elves. Yes, and like when... <laughs> talk about elfish things. And eat nothing but carbs and sugar. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like you go to their cafeteria and it's pies and they're just sprinkling, you know, pies and cakes and cookies and they're just sprinkling extra sugar on things. And like even when like human normal people meet them, it's a whole kind of figuring out what to call them and um, because when the military yeah. comes in for them to do these military contracts, the military is there kind of on site, um, kind of uh, supervising. So when they sit down with the elves, they're like, don't you need, you know, protein and vegetables? And <laughs> he's like, no, we find we work more efficiently on, um, you know, carbs and sugar. And they're like, well, when do you sleep? You need rest. Like, no, you know, we take uh, like 20 minute naps, like <laughs> eight hours. It, yeah. What do, what... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, 20 I minutes. Yeah. I forget the exact wording of the details yeah. of the elves eating and sleeping situation, but it confuses the hell yeah. out of the military captain as well. Yeah, but he's like so impressed because he's like, well, your production is off the charts. Like you guys do yeah. really good, good, clean work and fast and efficient. Um, so I like that. Yeah, they did make them elves who have a different kind of, you know, um, habit of eating and sleeping and and working and you know than a normal person so i think yeah. that yeah that that added to something that we know we're familiar with um but still kind of set in this real world that they've created yeah um <laughs> that, that side of the story with santa with ruth with all the elves and their struggles i really really enjoy I really yeah. got into it. I love the fact that it's also very blunt and, you know, it's, it doesn't, it's not wishy-washy. I'm very wishy-washy with my words, Janine, as we all know. This movie <laughs> is not, you know, flowery or over-explainy over as I sometimes like to be. This yeah. movie's ridiculously direct with everything it says. Yes. <laughs> and... You know, it's a it'll be an R-rated movie in in the US. It's a 15-rated movie here, so it's also, you know, quite violent and yeah, pretty gritty, yeah, in there and 
all that kind of stuff that you don't necessarily think of Santa doing. Yes. What Santa does in this movie because Santa gets annoyed sometimes. And I want to say, I think the real world setting also maybe because this movie seemed like it was a smaller movie. I think it just came out on yeah. streaming. It wasn't released right. in theaters or anything. So kind of leaving out the magic elements um, probably was a, a budgetary choice too. So how do we ride around probably. not having those things, but you still feel like, like we see him go out on Christmas night. We see him, but we don't see that whole journey. We just see him, you know, come back. He's injured. He's limping because somebody, you know, he got caught by somebody and they shot at him. Um, you know, so we see him come home with his bag. So we see the end of his night. Um, how they I work. It, is one... it... Sorry, I think there's one point we see. There's only one scene where we actually see the reindeers. And it's when he's like cleaning them out. Yeah, he's because... cleaning out the, 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 the stable and... Yeah. But it just looks like a farmer cleaning out the stable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I appreciate I, that as well. Yes. I, I feel like they were smart in like, okay, you know, we probably don't have a huge budget on this movie. Let's work around it by really kind of grounding things and showing you what you need to see. We saw that he went out for Christmas for you know Christmas night and did his whole Christmas night run, but we don't need to see that. We can show that in different ways. So I liked that they kind of it, it felt like, you know, a smart way to um, you know, work with what they were able to do. Um, so I really appreciated that. Um, this movie <laughs> yes, um, has some villains. <laughs> it does. It does. Look, I I don't know what I was going to say, actually. My mind is completely blanked. I suppose this movie's in two parts, though, isn't it, really? Yes. Not two parts, as in Little something happens in the first half and something happens in the second half. But it is two sides that ultimately comes. Well, kind of together. three, three or three. Yes. Yeah, um, we kind of do establish our characters. So we kind of talked about how uh, Santa's story is established, you know, and then now we get into this kid character uh, yeah. who, you know, he's rich. He's very competitive. His father is not around. He seems to have a specific kind of feelings about that. Um, he's living with his grandmother, um, who's in a wheelchair and, you know, he's getting ready to head to the science fair where he's made this whole fancy, um, uh, science project. Yeah. It's some sort of hydroelectric project. Thing. Isn't it? For, yes. For a, big, a big science fair. He's at elementary school. He always wins the science fair. Yeah. So he's, he's already won four. He I has his like four, he has his four first place blue ribbons on. He's ready to get his fifth. Um, you know, grandma's apologizing to him that his dad can't be there. She's apologizing that she can't be there because she's too, you know, sickly and old to go. Um, and uh, he already kind of seems like he's just kind of a brat. So very much. <laughs> they, so. they set up. They set him. They set up like all the the there are three kind of main characters and their kind of backgrounds really well. So we do open they with this. Um. I I was going to have remembered what I was going to say. I was going to say that it doesn't seem that this movie was particularly well received upon release. It seems to be like people kind of hating on it a little bit. Now, from Santa's perspective, like we've said, I don't see why people wouldn't at least appreciate it if you know if like me they don't necessarily go in for the dark santa 
story and prefer a light, fun, escapist kind of Santa, which surely Santa should be, but that's beside the point because this movie does its version of Santa and does it successfully and, you know, coherently and well. So we appreciate that. Where I don't like this movie, and it's not for a fault of, you know, it's not for a fault of the movie's story or the way the movie's acted or anything like that. It's simply this kid (laughs) who I just can't stand. And in the past, individual children and the characters of those individual children in movies have totally ruined what is otherwise a fantastic movie for me. Big one in that sense for me has always been The Babadook, which is a fantastic horror movie, a really intelligent (laughs) horror movie with the most annoying child I will never ever watch that movie again (laughs) ever in it. Oh no. I can't I understand that the child is supposed to be that way, but I can't watch that movie because it makes me want to scream. <laughs> like the child does in the Oh that my movie. gosh. <laughs> yeah, he, he's pretty bad. Um And this kid here was the biggest little bratty, horrible, yes, eleven-year-old. Um, which ever is seen. why, you know, it, it circles back to some come up and you know that's like one of my favorite things ever. Yes. So um yeah, they set up this kid as kind of a brat, uh, you know, wants to win everything. So he goes to the science fair, he's talking about his fancy little project, and then another girl wins first place. He gets runner up. Goes to a science fair with four medals they've already, already won, won from previous years. That's like somebody turning up to the Olympics, parading around the medals they won at the last Olympics. Yeah, or like no. an Oscar winner carrying their previous one Oscar to the Oscars with them. Like, idiot. <laughs> yeah, so he's he gets first runner-up, he gets um, a crappy red (laughs) ribbon and not like his nice blue ones that he has another girl wins the prize so um he makes a phone call to our our assassin character played by walton goggins which walton goggins is so great in this movie Uh, he's a great he's he's a great character actor i absolutely love him in in pretty much everything he is in Uh, he is he's (laughs) He's he's a fantastic (laughs) character actor. He really is. But he's one of those character actors that at this point now, you think of character actors and you think of people that, well, by by the term character actor, are able to blend with with any character they want to play and are supporting roles in movies. And you remember their characters. And you do remember their characters, but the best character actors are the ones where you recognize who they are in everything they do as well. Yes. And that's and Walton Goggins one of those. these days. Yes. Um, so he is kind of this assassin this kid has on retainer. Um, how that happens, I don't know. So, I mean, so it is to be established that this kid has done a lot of awful things because he, you know, as soon as he loses, you know, the girl is so sweet she's like oh good job today have a nice christmas and he's like waves back and as soon as he gets in the car he's like i think we need the services of our friend whatever so then the driver calls him he says he needs his services he gives her the (laughs) gives him the girl's name 
and he proceeds to find the girl you know through some (laughs) kidnaps this girl yes takes her to him he threatens her with like uh, trying to electrocute her not walton goggins the kid yeah He, he he ties her to a chair and like threatens her that he's gonna like shock her if she doesn't say that she cheated so that he could get the first place prize like this is serious horrible torture for no reason yes so he thankfully it doesn't actually go to actual torture no he threatens her yes so then walton drives her home tells her this is the excuse you're gonna say you're gonna say you're going to the mall to buy christmas presents She's like i didn't buy any presents well just you were thinking about buying presents and he's like um if you do you know if you don't say what you're supposed to say that you cheated i'm gonna kill your mom i'm gonna kill your dad i'm gonna kill your dog what's your dog's name (laughs) yes i'm gonna kill your dog so you know so he proceeds to like scare her enough that she will do what they want her to do so now the kid is feeling great you know he he's gonna get his first place ribbon who cares if he threatened this girl who earned it had an assassin scare the shit out of her um so christmas morning comes kids family (laughs) like organized criminals i don't think so grandma seems pretty normal dad is just rich and off with his girlfriend i'm he seems pretty resourceful he seems like he mostly takes care of himself so i would think he'd be capable of of really finding an assassin as an 11 year old i don't think so really have did you see what this kid did he, yes he's pretty they set him up to be pretty smart and pretty sick so i think that is true who but they I, set this well, kid up to, who they set this kid up to be i think he'd be resourceful enough to figure that out what made me think that though was a really kind of unusual conversation we hear the grandmother have later on in the movie on the phone mm-hmm. which seemed very threatening from her you know it seemed like a total character switch from her Oh no, she wasn't She's... talking to him. She she was probably talking to like her banker or somebody who was informing oh, no, I her. Was talk- I know she was talking to somebody on the phone. I know she wasn't talking to Walton Goggins. But what I'm saying was that for the rest of the movie, this grandma has appeared to be, you know, a, a very sickly old woman in bed, and all of a sudden she's like giving it the "I need my accounts checked. Something's wrong here. What's going on?" Ah, which makes I mean, sounds a little bit dodgy to me. <laughs> so that's that's where my mind goes to the I think there's some sort of extortion thing going on here which is why we need assassins to you know keep people quiet <laughs> well you know I, mean, I mean if you're a rich person and you find all these which he's the one the kid is the one stealing he's stealing checks from grandma and writing them for the assassin because he doesn't have money of his own to pay for the assassin so he's forging grandma's oh, signature. That's true. Yes. So she's that's just like, true. what is this crazy forgery happening to my accounts? And why is all this money missing? That's true. So grandma's just going crazy. I misunderstood. Because... <laughs> I misunderstood the thing. I thought that was some sort of this family's actually here's a reason why this family. No, has he's these just contacts. this rich kid who whose right. father's not around. He's running off to the Bahamas with his girlfriends. Kid is there with grandma who's rich. And he's stealing, forging checks of grandma to pay the assassin because he doesn't have money of his own. He's this rich, spoiled kid from a rich family, and he's stealing grandma's checks. So so now it's been made aware to her that 
money, a lot of money is missing because he keeps using them to pay Walton Goggins to do these shady things. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is where we meet this kid. He's done this, threatened this girl. He's feeling all great about it. And then Christmas morning comes. He's all excited. He opens his present. He gets a lump of coal because he was very bad, obviously. And now he's out to get Santa for giving him a lump of coal. <laughs> Have you ever thought it would just be hilarious if on Christmas morning you bring your presents for whoever it may be? Um, I'm, I'm speaking to, to everybody here, to you. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to you here. Have you ever thought, and Janine, you can, you know, answer, feel free to answer <laughs> this as well. Have you ever thought how hilarious it would be to bring all your presents down for whoever you're bringing presents down for? And you give the present to somebody and you just give them a lump of coal. And they just get really, <sighs> just get really disappointed. Like some people would take it really badly. Just find that hilarious for some. And maybe, yeah, maybe there's something wrong with me that <laughs> I just want to do that to people. But then, of course, after that, I bring them the real presents as well. So, yeah, it was just my weird joke. Here's your actual presents. Yeah. But, like, just for, you know, 30 seconds, let them feel like all they got for Christmas is a lump of coal. Or is that just a little bit too mean? Like, because I've definitely wanted to do it to like 12 year olds as well. So is that a, not a little bit like too harsh? That is, I mean, if it's an older kid, maybe you could get away with it. But if it's like a little kid who really believes hard no, in Santa like Claus, seven-year-old, no, that no, would no, be no, a little no. much. Um, uh, I'm but, talking like yeah. a twelve, because as we all know, twelve is the worst age for any human being. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. In um, terms of who you are what you were like, what I was like, probably what you were like as well, Janine. You were at your absolute worst when you were 12. Because yeah. I know I probably was. <laughs> so, yes, maybe they would deserve it. Um, because that's when you're really getting... The, yeah, that's when you're getting a little bratty. So, <laughs> um, yes. So, if you came well, in... With, if you came in with the real presents after presents. messing with them, I think that would exactly. be ideal. Okay, I'm not, that might not, be kind of funny. It's not actually just a lump of coal. It's just the fear, which I, I appreciated the end of this movie for, to be honest, and the threatening awe of Mel yes. and Santa <laughs> of, of just scaring children into being good. That's a good thing. That I mean, it's not really, is it? We shouldn't be scaring but people. It's to be in it's any certain way, but it's proactive. But it's proactive. It fits with yes. the movie perfectly. Yeah, You know. Scaring them in the way of giving them coal just to bring out presents a minute later. I don't know. You know, yeah, you might want to think about funny. that this Christmas, guys. <laughs> you might want to think um, about just if your kid has actually been a little bit a nasty bit of a this brat, year, then yeah, you can't not get them presents, game. obviously. But you know, just just yeah, just just start off a bit of a, a, laugh a test. Him. Yes, I I I could agree with that. Um, <laughs> so yes, he does if get I a lump of coal. Children, I'll be doing it. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> um, he does get a lump of coal, and so then he curses the name of Santa, um, and calls up Walton Goggins again for another job, um, which aligns with uh, his hobby. 
So we do end up now we kind of get into meeting uh, Walton Goggins assassin character, which I think he's just credited as skinny man. So yeah, he doesn't have a name. No. So we just need good assassin should not have a name to be fair because, but when he does finally come face to face with Santa, Santa does call him by name because he knows who everyone is. Yes. So then we get Walton Goggins character set up. Um, Somebody's coming to see him with a baseball bat. He's asking him questions about it. Like, well, how old was he when he got it? And is it real? Because toys made by Santa all have like a, you know, a uh, signature like a plate plug. on it. Like, yes. Yeah. Saying, you know, made by Santa or whatever. And he's very fascinated with these Santa made toys. So he will find people who can bring them and he'll pay them to give them to him. And you don't really know why. He just seems very interested in these items from Santa and the North Pole and, you know, or, you know, where, wherever Santa's workshop is. He will, He's fascinated with these specific items. And we don't really know why. He's very interested in kind of studying Santa. We see kind of newspaper clippings of him, of spotting him, looking for him, trying to figure out what's going on with him. It seemed to me from that first scene that he was almost more focused on taking other children's or, or people's taking other people's childhood memories from them yes because or, he or childhood dreams because he all his had crumbled yes so he had he had to you know he had to ensure that people lived out their childhood dreams to a certain extent or to any extent and then in the form of these items would be taking that off them for himself because he's so he could somehow enjoy you know vicariously through their experience because he didn't have that experience so yeah it's a very kind of deep um interesting look into um his obsession with santa and the toys that he makes and and what they kind of led to for certain people and him not having that so it was a really interesting thing for this character and you know I feel like when you have an assassin character, obviously somebody who would be in that kind of line of work would have some weird quirks. So you'd think so, yes. So I like, you know, Walton Goggins is definitely a person who can play quirks really well. Uh, just his attitude is really funny. Um, how he kind of interacts with people, the man who comes to offer him the baseball bat, you know he's sitting at a table like analyzing it, and the guy's like, "Oh, is there anywhere for me to sit?" does it look like there's anywhere for you to sit? Like, obviously not. There's no chair. But um, yeah, he he's just such a smart ass. And like, he's really funny yeah. uh, in, in his like dry humor. He's on the phone with a woman trying to find the North Pole. And he gets really annoyed, <laughs> cusses at her, and then apologizes for cussing at her. And then when he asks her, like, um can you find me like a Chris Kringle, somebody named Chris Kringle? And they just hang up and he just gets all mad. Why did you hang up the phone? Like she already hung up and he's like yelling at her for hanging up the phone. He has a pet hamster. Like he is a killer, but he's like very concerned with keeping his hamster like with him and safe. And like, um, so yes, he's just very... There's a lot of psychological problems with Walton. Yes, we see him just very kind of, you know, eccentric, like he's researching because 
now that he's been giving this job by this kid to find Santa and kill him, and it aligns with his own obsession with trying to find Santa um, yeah. to reclaim something, um, he's really delved into kind of researching, trying to find where he is. So he's like in a in a in a restaurant trying to has all his paperwork out trying to figure out where Santa is. And then he ends up ordering like a whole just fancy Peking duck for himself and just like eats it. Like just the whole duck. just Like, so yes, he's just very odd. Um, but that is, he's the perfect choice for a character like that. Just very he intense really and weird, but he's also playing it and it's funny. Um, so a lot of the comedic moments came from him. Um, trying to find Santa Claus. And... <laughs> yeah, I don't think Walton Goggins would be as good as he is if he didn't have the hair that Walton Goggins has. Because it, it's so, so very receding, his hairline. <laughs> but he still has so much hair. Yeah. <laughs> and this ridiculous point at the middle of it that comes all the way up his head. But then he has the two dips. Yes, big deep, big, deep dips. dips. <laughs> but he's committed. And, just... and he's still very confident. And <laughs> he's playing it so serious. But he's kind of ridiculous. Like when he's even like he finds the town where Santa's P.O. Box is. So he's kind of on the trail. So he's trying to find an outfit that he can wear to go on this stealthy mission. Right. And he's looking through the clothes and he's just like talking shit about everything <laughs> like this makes to me himself gray gray makes me look fat green is just fucking stupid <laughs> like <laughs> he's just like picking things up and just insulting them <laughs> um I love, so... the, I love the dude who works at that shop as well it's just like, excuse me. <laughs> like, can, can I help you? Can I help you find anything, please? Because he's just clearly getting annoyed at this random gentleman insulting all of his goods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even at the pet store, that was a great moment. <laughs> yeah. So he takes his hamster with him, but he's like, I can't just have my hamster in the case in the seat. I need my hamster in some kind of stable thing um, where it can move around. So he goes to a pet store and he's she's trying to tell him what he wants like oh you don't look like a hamster person you look like a reptile person um do you want to buy a chameleon he's like no i do not want to buy a chameleon oh how about a snake you should get a snake snakes eat hamsters <laughs> oh well i think you're a reptile person you know i'm really good at this you should just listen to me and he's like oh you know what you remind me of my mother and she like starts to smile because she thinks some kind of compliment he was like, she was a really bad listener and she never knew when to shut the fuck up. And she just like, God, the way her face changes. <laughs> it's great. So yes, he has, he has a lot of great interactions with people where he is just such a smart ass. <laughs> like, he's hilarious. I mean, he's playing it so straight and so confident. It, it's great. Like he's my probably like my favorite character in the movie just because of how well he plays it. Um just with dead the pan and dry and deadpan and dry and yeah. Um so yeah he is getting close to finding uh Chris Kringle. You know he's giving updates to the kid. The kid is asking him to bring <laughs> him Santa's head. Um and I like that they actually were like 
no, I can't do that. Like I have to go through <laughs> two borders. Like it's going to smell, it's going to rot. So that's going to be an extra cost. So no. And it, you know, it's a higher risk for me. I'm not doing that. So I liked it. Like there was an actual, like rational, like explanation yeah. for like what he could do. So he wants some kind of token from Santa. Um, I think so, that after that, the kid asks for Santa's beard. And yes. Gordon Goggins' response to that is just, no, I'm not shaving a dead guy. Yeah, I'm not shaving <laughs> off a dead man's beard. No. <laughs> so then they I'll ultimately bring you some agree. sleigh bells. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't want sleigh bells. How about his coat? Okay, his coat. <laughs> so, yeah, just the whole interaction with him and this kid is great. Like, anytime he interacts with anybody, it's just really hilarious and he's not even trying to be hilarious um we've not even seen him interact with mel gibson santa yet no so yes we do get like three really solid character setups so we kind of know what we're working with and like you said they're very just blunt and straightforward there's not a lot of you know lazy dialogue or lazy exposition everything is used really well i think they um I like when movies kind of give us credit to just kind of, you know, get into the story without, you know, you know, babying yeah. us with a lot of like long drawn out um, dialogue explanations of things. So um, it's a really, it's a really well paced movie, mm -hmm. to be fair, I, I think as well. And the problem we had, well, the, the problem I had, I suppose, with mixed notes, and I suppose you had it, you, you know, you saw the problem as well with mixed nuts last week was the fact that it had about 18 different plots yeah <laughs> all going on with this various ensemble cast and we and we had the discussion of ensemble movies should have virtually the exact amount of time dedicated to each character and them all actually having an end or they should be scenario movies where nobody really has a character arc and it's just all about how each of them react in that particular okay, moment scenario. or situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the issue we had with mixed nuts. Obviously, we don't get anything like that here. No, everything's a kind very, of gets very resolved. straightforward story. Yeah. They give you your three from, people. Yeah, it comes mm -hmm. from three main characters. Four if you count, we'll count Mrs. Yeah. Ruth mm -hmm. and Santa are the same area. Yeah. It gives you three main characters, all of whom make total sense in their journeys. And it gives you really two plots. Yes, because the, the two kind of villain characters there's are kind of together. Um Yeah. They all the, the two plots only merge because Walton Goggins is after Santa specifically. Yeah. If it was about somebody being upset at Christmas and hiring an assassin to kill somebody, then that's a whole different movie to the yeah. Santa struggling with his manufacturing costs. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact they obviously both merge together, so you, you get that, you know, you get that merge, I suppose, at the end, to use the same word again. Yes. Makes sense. There was no time in this movie where I felt like something didn't end. There was no time in this movie where I felt like one of the characters was forgotten about. 
it's the benefit of a more straightforward movie. Yeah, we get three great character setups and they take the time to get us to kind of understand what their story is and yeah. they do a really good job of just kind of tying that up, tying that out. So, um and it's not that it's you know, it's not that you know, to say to, to say something or to say a movie has a straightforward story doesn't mean the movie has to be for simple people. <laughs> You know, doesn't mean the yeah. movie has to be, you know, you can't have a deep movie. You can't have a movie that deals with, I mean, even this movie to a point, it deals with some pretty dark things going on. Yeah. Some characters with really dangerous psychological issues, two in particular, but also Santa's <laughs> kind of shouty sometimes. And it takes Ruth to calm him down a little bit. Yeah. Occasionally, you expect that, I suppose, from Mel Gibson, has been known to go on a rant every now and again, hasn't he, if we're being <laughs> Get honest? Shouty, yeah. Get a little bit shouty. <laughs> so, again, he's perfect for this kind of Santa, <laughs> for those kind of reasons. Sometimes you feel like Mel Gibson, in the roles he plays these days, acknowledges what he has been like in the past, I suppose. Yeah. I, because... To be fair to him, when he was in peak, horrible Mel Gibson, that was quite some years ago. He hasn't necessarily been horrible for, for a good many years now. Yeah. Or at, le at least publicly. But you're still not going to forget the ridiculous tirades he used to go on. Yes. About various different types of people. But still, that has already been said. But a straightforward movie and a straightforward story in a movie just it's it almost feels easier for the filmmaker. So it makes you it can make you as a as the viewer appreciate a movie more because you actually fully understand what the filmmaker is trying to say because the filmmaker's not over not not biting off more than they can chew. Yeah. You can bite off more more than you can chew in the sense that, if say, if you try and deal with a certain deeper topic, you can still keep the movie straightforward. But if you try and deal with a certain deeper topic, if you don't fully understand that topic yourself as the filmmaker, yes, that's going to cause some confusion probably with people watching. Yeah. But there's nothing like that here. It's You know what you're going for tonally. You know what message you're trying to put out there of basically scaring people into being good. <laughs> which is kind which, of how it, it which, ends. Which, which, it is how it ends, and it could work. Yeah. And you as the viewer totally understand that. Like I said before, this movie it seemed to have got, you know, not the best reviews, not the best reception when it came out. I'm not too sure why. Yeah, I thought this movie was really fun and really smart in depicting something that's kind of been overdone. Um, so yeah, that that's really weird to see that it, you know, people really didn't find some interesting things to like about this movie. Um, I get it's kind of low-key and probably underseen. And maybe, like like we've said, sometimes a little bit, out of the spirit of Christmas, but ultimately it's still 
once, or what I read from it anyway, is that it still wants the magic of Christmas to be alive. Yeah. It's just because we see Santa even go through that where he's just yeah. like, I, I, you know, I, it's hard for me to believe in this anymore. And then he's you just know, dealing he gets with little... it in a more realistic world rather than some shiny, glittery North Pole. Factor. Exactly. So I like that we kind of delved there, but we still kind of round back out to, you know, the hope and the spirit of Christmas um, yeah. with Santa Claus. Um, so, yeah, as we kind of get to the end of this movie, uh, Walton Goggins has found Santa's base. He goes to infiltrate it. And, you know, they're all the military guys are around because they're supervising, you know, this contract that the that Santa and the elves are doing uh, for the for the U.S. government. So he takes out all the military people. Um, but he doesn't actually take out the elves because they're very smart. They have a whole kind of plan for when something like this happens. But like pretty yeah. much all the military guys get taken out. Um, and when Santa isn't informed of what is going on, you know, he comes out there with a shotgun and he's like ready to kind of, you know, handle business. So this turns into like your lethal weapon, like action Mel Gibson kind of thing, which I thought was really fun. And he's um, always been good at and he's he yes, so it definitely harkens do. back to action movie mel gibson which was kind of just like a fun little kind of callback moment i thought um, i'd also like to point out that walton goggins at this point is wearing a very nice ski outfit yes yeah, so he ultimately shows a nice white <laughs> from that man shop a nice white slick ski outfit which is a, a camouflage in a snowy place um, yes where we're set so um him and santa have this big shootout but i think before that he kind of gives this whole speech of, um, you know, Santa screwing him over and Santa only giving him one present. But even when he sees him, he calls him by name and he says, you twisted child. So we yeah. know that he's been kind of fucked up like this probably since he was little. And so then uh, Malton Goggins is kind of getting upset and talking about how the only gift Santa ever gave him was this toy car. And he like proceeds to like throw it at him um, because I'm sure that was probably the last Christmas where he was good. And he's mad. Also, we discover that he's mad at Santa because his parents died and he wrote, he's, he's talking about how he wrote all these letters and he never got what he wanted. And um, Mel Gibson tells him, Hey, I couldn't give you your parents back. Like there are, are limits to what I can do. And Walton Goggins blames him for that. He wrote him. He's Santa. You're supposed to give me whatever I want. And Santa couldn't bring back his parents. So that's where now we see kind of this is the root of this vendetta he's had for Santa all these years and why he's so kind of invested in um, everyone else getting what they wanted and getting their dream for Christmas. Um, so um, I, I'm you sure have to, you, you probably have to say that this relationship he's had with death is the reason that he's become an assassin yes and um and i blanked on what i was gonna say <laughs> we all uh, blank. <laughs> we all blank we've been <laughs> an and... episode of blanks and forgetfulness i think this is um been... i think i think okay so he um I th him calling him a twisted child is probably you know an indication for us to see like once his parents died once he didn't get what he wanted he probably grew up being very kind of sadistic and terrible yeah. 
And that's led him to be kind of the person he was now. So another moment of them not feeding us too much, but giving us just enough that we can kind of fill in the blanks for ourselves. So for him to, to know him as being a very twisted child, you know, we're going to assume that how he is now started off very early, probably after his parents died. And that's why he only got one present because he proceeded to just be terrible for the rest of his life. So um, yeah, I like this kind of whole setup showdown of him kind of venting out what he thinks Santa has done to him. And even Santa being very kind of sympathetic, like there are limits to what I can do. I wish I could give you your parents back, but I, I, I can't do something like that. Um, and then we see kind of Walton Goggins making his work just more personal in this moment. And they have this kind of big whole shootout, um, which is really kind of a fun action moment and this kind of cat and mouse thing happening. Um, and this huge fight that breaks out and, uh, you know, we see Santa gaining ground on him only for Walton Goggins to pull out this sneaky, like pop knife out of his like leg holster and stabbing Santa several times in the back. Um, and yeah, so he's gotten the better of Santa and then we see him shoot Santa in the head and, um, you know, Santa's dying. Yes. So we're like, I'm like, this is how this ends. When the first time I watched it, I I was freaking out. And then, yeah, um, this is what I mean. This is, this, the, these are the kind of scenes in this movie that feel ridiculously pessimistic. Which is, oh, all right, this son, this movie's gonna kill Santa. Yeah, That's right. Nice. Happy um, Christmas, everyone. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and then uh, Walton Goggins does get shot in the back, and it's badass Mrs. Claus, like you know, making things yeah. happen. And she actually got shot herself as she's trying to get back into the house. So he goes in the house to chase her down, um, and uh, she sneaks up on him. And ultimately takes him out. But before she does, she apologizes because you know she's she's a good person. So she's like, she's "I'm sorry," and then shoots him dead. So Walton I like Dawkins also is... how Mrs. Mrs. Claus is a black British lady. Yes, right. That's Isn't also that awesome? nice. <laughs> That's just something you, you you never see. Yes, like even if even if Mrs. Claus has been a black woman before, black British lady. Yes, so I liked I liked the interracial couple. I liked that they were an interracial couple. I liked that very much. So, um, yeah, so she ends up taking out Walton Goggins, and then the you know um, the elves come around, and um, they did the the elf did mention something earlier when the army guys were asking them about their diet. They're like, oh, does Santa kind of have the same? This does he work the same as you guys? And he's like, no, like the you know christmas spirit and the hope and like those kinds of things keep him young so then that's a kind of another element of magic so when she's kind of you know um, mrs claus is holding his, his body and like telling him oh it's okay take your time wake up then that's kind of a note to us that okay you know there is some magic there that keeps him alive that could keep him could get him to come back from something like that yeah. and also we learn that he was not completely shot like right through his brain or his head. He was shot in the eye. <laughs> so yes, fairly nastily. <laughs> yes. Right in the eye. Yes. Um, so as he starts to wake up, um, one of the elves goes to Walton Goggins' body, finds his little black book, so they can kind of figure out, okay, who arranged this whole situation. And we do get the scene of the grandmother, you know, on the phone 
freaking out about you know yeah. her accounts because the boy has been taking stuff from her um and when he hears this he decides oh i'm gonna take some grandma's drugs and drug her milk so that you know she won't look into this anymore to kill to kill grandma um he also got a really shitty present from his dad who was in the bahamas um of a teddy oh, yeah, bear I forget what that was yeah, so his dad had sent him a present, so he's kind of excited, like, okay, dad actually cares about me. And, like, we'd established that it's, the the gift is from the Bahamas. Um, You know, he says, oh, he's probably with his girlfriend. So another, like, little dialogue moments that explain enough that his dad's just kind of an absentee, you know, dad who is just running around and he gives him a teddy bear of all things. Like, he's, a, he's, a, he's an older kid who's not gonna wanna play with a teddy bear. So he um, hates excuse it. Excuse me, Jane. <laughs> I am sat here in front of a series of Harry Potter plush dolls. Um, Do they think... not constitute as teddy bears? Or does but a they... teddy bear have to be a specific? It's but they, still, it's they the are characters. Kind of... They are characters from something you enjoy. A, te- a teddy bear is just very generic. <laughs> if yes. it was like. Okay. If it was like a Teddy Ruxpin or like a teddy bear from a thing or a Care Bear and you were a fan of Care Bears. But this is just some random ass teddy bear (laughs) that you could get at the fair. (laughs) So, um, yes, when you're rich and your dad has run off and left you, a teddy bear is pretty lame. So he's pissed about that. And now he's trying to kill grandma because she's investigating into who is taking all her money. The thing is, I don't think that his father not being or being absent from his life and him clearly being fairly alone is reason enough for him to kill his own grandmother and also hire an assassin for santa i just think that's a little bit extreme i can understand being sad and being upset and being a very troubled child but how troubled internally yourself anyway (laughs) must you you be be wants to kill your grandmother yeah so he must be the one that's raising you he must be Walton Goggins levels of just like uh, yes, twisted, messed so. up kid. Um, Walton Goggins is kind of one of those people. But who, if I, ever I saw mean, on the street, I, I mean, I mean, there is a character called Billy Loomis whose mother left him, and <laughs> that triggered some some uh, psychopathic uh, um, events. But was so, it not already there? Yeah, so this kid, I mean, he probably already had that there. Maybe he he just got a little bit of an earlier start than a, a Billy Loomis. Basically. But ab- so I'm is, just saying, absentee parenting could contribute to an already damaged mind. <laughs> exactly. If you recognize your child may not be the most In movie stable mental health person. logic. <laughs> don't, for God's sake, don't leave them. <laughs> yes. In movie mental health logic, uh, parental ab- abandonment can cause some serious problems. So, yes, um, he attempts to kill grandma with some, as he's like, um, you know, breaking up the pills and stirring it into the milk. You know, he gets a knock on the door. He's yelling at his maid to leave him alone, but it is not the maid. It's the maid is letting somebody in to visit him. Uh, we see Ruthie. I love how the maid looks through, though, with a really kind of almost a dark smile on her face. Yes. You're going to get it now, you little Yes, because we've seen this kid be a brat to her several times. So um, Ruthie comes in and he's like, who are you? 
And she's like, I'd like to introduce you to someone. And here comes Santa Claus. <laughs> here comes uh, Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. But now he's wearing an eye patch and a yes, and he's, and he's a got a cane. Like yes, maniac. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he, he looks, comes. Looks like the scariest thing ever. If Mel, here's another thing. If Walton Goggins was walking along the street, just Walton Goggins, just regular, normal human being walton goggins i would still cross over the other side of the street because i'd be <laughs> terrified of walton goggins because of the kind of characters he plays, he plays are generally yeah. <laughs> quite intimidating people or if not intimidating certainly weird yes <laughs> if mel gibson came thundering down the street to me or with an all big gray scraggly beard and an eye patch a bloody eye patch walking with a crutch i would certainly run as fast as i could in the complete opposite direction that is a truly scary sight i don't care if he is santa or not yes um so i i think they've established to us without so many details again great writing um that yes santa is pretty indestructible so like I think it's like yeah. a it's like a Wolverine kind of healing process. I'm I kind of got from that that like gradually, you know, his yes, you know. gradually he'll be back to full health. I mean, I don't yeah. know if he'll have an eye again. Yeah, probably not. Um, so he decides to go to this kid, and he even grabs the milk and drinks it, and tells him, "Oh, fentanyl, you know, that'll do the trick." So, like, you know. He, you can't kill Santa Claus. So I think that was just another rub in that kid's face. Like, you try to kill me, look, it's not going to work. You're an idiot. Yes. So then he threatens the kid and scares the, the bejesus out of him. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that was a setup of, you know, because I think he does say something about being more proactive and, and doing something about, you know, fixing the state of how kids act nowadays. So I got the sense that and and I think he said, oh, we're starting with you. That's what he tells yeah. that kid. So um, we're kind of led to believe that now this is how Santa is going to handle. So he's going to spend pretty much all year going to these kids and scaring them into behaving so that it'll make get production up and it'll help business and, you know, it'll help with Christmas spirit and everything. Like, because what else can he do? So I feel like they set up that that's kind of how he's probably going to handle things. That he's going yeah. to kind of come and give these kids a warning, like you know, like <laughs> a pretty stern talking to. Yeah, Sometimes, you know what, Janine, I, I I I applaud that because okay, we shouldn't necessarily be terrifying children, should we? I don't that that's no, not but you right can give them do. a warning. Sometimes. Kids, kids need a warning, and if you think about it, the whole song better that song, uh, Santa Claus is coming what? to town. Is yes. a whole warning. That song is a warning. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to... T is it? You better... Well, yes, you better not shout. You better not cry. You better not pout. But it's I'm like shout, you cry, why. and pout, isn't it? <laughs> it's like... It's not like... You He's better gonna not find out who's grandma. naughty or nice. Like, the Wait. lyrics are, a, are warning you. Santa's coming to town. So you better watch out. <laughs> it is... It is. A, well, so I, I feel it's like. Just on a much lighter <laughs> level, I think, really. I mean, I don't necessarily think of Santa Pouting Claus as going to town in the sense of burning somebody or, or poisoning your own grandmother. But I think of it more like, oh, I, I've just 
pushed someone in the playground or something like that, you know? Yes, like, but I mean, yeah, if, if you I'm think a child. Of, <laughs> if you think of the lyrics in the context of what Santa's new mission is to get kids to behave and not get coal, because yeah, he's coming to town, I I, it, it works in my mind. It works in my mind. He sees you so. when you're sleeping <laughs> and he knows when you're awake. Yes. Sa you know what? Santa Claus is coming to town could be a ridiculously dark song if sung in the right key. Yes, they need to do like a twisted dark version for some holiday horror film. Oh, there must have been so. It had to. It, some, I'm sure it's been Christmas. done at some point. It has to have been done. Some um, <laughs> Christmas horror movie somewhere has a trailer with You Better Watch Out, You Better Not Cry. <laughs> and then it just, it just continues in that ridiculously ominous, yeah. kind of way. Yes. Um, he sees you when you're sleeping. <laughs> Ugh. Yes, I feel I like that has to. to I don't want him to see me when I'm yeah. sleeping. Who is he? So I Who feel like this that horrible individual. When you say it like that, I feel like. When you say it like that, I feel like that's probably had to have happened. It must, have um, done. it must have <laughs> but done. um yeah he scares him you know he tells him you know if, if grandma dies too soon if anything happens to that little girl from the science fair you know you're, i'm coming for she, you if she so much gets a cold yes and he you. and he proceeds to take the bandage off and show him his eye and make him look at him yeah. so uh yeah he showed him his I mean, dirty what's santa going to do to him though <laughs> You know, like if what I don't think he needs to, I don't fair? think he wants to know. I don't think he wants to know. I think Santa's threat was enough. Um, well, so if the, if the girl from the science fair does get like, say she breaks her arm this year somehow, and then it's not really his fault, but then Santa's been all like, well, she's injured. It's because of you and your ill will towards us. Is Santa going to come and murder the child? I think it was just the uh, exaggeration of the threat to I just really so. put put some up, uh, uh, you know, some more meat on that threat. Um, no, Gibson's but, um, been known to be a bit crazy, Janine. Can we put anything past him? No, I, pro I suppose can't. child murder is going a little bit. Too well, far. yes, this is a good. He's a good Santa. Um, good so Santa. yeah, he's a good. So Santa. the movie ends with him giving that kid a warning, and then you know we're back to solid production. Everything's going well. Uh, seems like you know holiday spirit is up, and Santa and Mrs. Claus are happy, and he still has an eye patch. So yeah, the eye is probably not coming back, but he can pirate Santa. He can use it to scare more children into behaving. So, and that's how our movie ends. And yeah, that I've just realized. I've just realized who he reminded me of when he walked into the kids' room at the end with his crutch and his eye patch. Not that this character wears an eye patch, but Captain Barbosa. Barbosa. Yeah. Caribbean. Oh my God! I was waiting for that. Just stalking into this room, going right. I'm going to sort things out. Oh here. my God. <laughs> Not that was a terrible about... impression. He did not Barbosa. talk in a pirate voice. <laughs> that was a terrible impression of Captain Barbosa. <laughs> what does Captain Barbosa talk like? I'm not going to try and do that now. He talks like the most piratey voice. <laughs> <laughs> You're in one, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, damn. yeah. So he was anyway. giving uh, he was giving some peg leggy pirate vibes at the end there. Yeah, really um, really but yes, that was Fat Man. What did you think, Morgan? It was good. I enjoyed it more than it. I enjoyed mixed nuts a great deal more than I think I enjoyed mixed nuts. To be honest with you, yeah. I am actually more than willing to watch this every year at Christmas. Right? It's really fun. I, like I discovered, I saw it, like just it was on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, what is this? Mel Gibson is Santa Claus. What? And I read the synopsis. I'm like, okay, this sounds kind of fun. So, you know, I bought it because I think you couldn't rent it. You just had to either. That's what I did. So I just bought it. pounds for this movie. Yes. And it was really fun. Um, So, yeah. I really like, I really like, I really enjoy this movie. So, yeah. (laughs) And it does confuse me a little bit of why it why didn't you be... well well i don't know I, I suppose can you call a streaming movie doing well, well or, or bad or just well, i guess reviews review wise review wise yeah review wise it doesn't seem to be particularly wonderful but well maybe our a... our stellar review will change the mind <laughs> perhaps 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 we are <laughs> show influential fat man <laughs> Yes. And we are deeply perhaps we are deeply influential people. I don't know. However, yeah. I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Smart really world did. building. It was a fun smart movie. dialogue. Great characters. Great pacing. Uh, you know, great character details, character introductions and and endings. Um yeah. Yeah, and great. as we've said, the most important thing I think is in a genre of holiday movies, Christmas movies, however you want to phrase that, a lot of which are, you know, very, very paint-by-numbers movies, and you just hit the right notes and change a few character names around, and it's all the same. Look at every Hallmark Lifetime Christmas movie. I, I noticed one on in the living room of this house today. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and, the, and the dialogue in this one scene, Janine, I have to bring it up because it was literally the most. I I I don't know if it was you or not, but somebody or I I I found. I think it was like it must have been around last Christmas. Maybe it wasn't even that long ago, but it was a bot that had written a Christmas movie from watching all these Hallmark movies. Oh my god! And the character names in it were the most ridiculously hilarious <laughs> American small town names you've ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> none of none of it made any sense, but it made perfect sense. Oh if you gosh, know what I mean. Hilarious. Yes, yes. Sense <laughs> of that. But this dialogue in this movie—I don't know what movie it was that was on, but it was literally like, "Ooh." Brian Thompson, let me guess what you've done since graduating high school. You now work in New York City. Do you have an, an apartment with a view of the park? And you have never, um, you, you are totally career focused, aren't you? And then he was like, ha 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 ha, that's kind of so accurate. Okay, let me guess what you've done, Kelly Smetherhurst, or whatever her name was. <laughs> You graduated high school and went away for a little bit, but came back to this small town and 
have since become the mayor. Yes, that's exactly what's happened. Uh, oh my, you're lying. Oh god, no, I'm not lying. It was ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god, that's some great your writing. Color, your favorite color is pink. No, actually, my favorite colors are red and green because it's Christmas. What? That was a, that was no. a line of dialogue. No, yes. no. Yes. yes. And for some reason, these get played in our house. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, you can just watch great movies like Fat Man. This movie was really fun. (laughs) It was hilarious. Anyway, it was. It was a very, very fun movie. I'm very happy to have covered it on Morgan Hasn't Seen. Janine, what have we got next week? I was about to ask you. What do we have next? It's actually a pretty notable one. Oh, well, it's not the most notable. Well, it's still probably quite notable because it's the movie The Night Before, the Seth Rogen oh, movie. Oh, yes. I have not seen it, um, so it'll be a Janine hasn't seen as well. Okay. I know it came out a few years ago now. It's probably five years old now, isn't it? That or something yeah, like that? Yeah, just about. Um, but I hear decent things about it. I hope it. I hope it lives up to the fun and entertainment of most other Seth Rogen things, which I'm sure it will. Yes. Because <laughs> I generally quite enjoy Rogen-style movies. And yeah. Apatow-type movies, to be honest with you. Even though, as we all know, Janine, Judd Apatow's movies um, are all 20 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. They are. That's just a fact. <laughs> he tells... A great movie, he, you know, he makes a great movie, and then there's 20 minutes at the oh, end just of it. Just extra stuff, but yeah, you just kind of <laughs> maybe could do without. Um, yes, I agree. <laughs> it's, it's every one of his movies, it's weird. <laughs> anyway, The Night Before is what we've got coming Yay. up next. On Morgan hasn't seen, but of course, Janine, this isn't the only show we have on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed, is it? No, we have Machine Mondays every Monday, except this Monday, because... I was away for yes. the huge Modon Spectacular, but next Monday I will be back, hopefully, with some fun guests discussing and breaking it all down. But yes, every Monday, usually, <laughs> we have Machine Mondays. And of course, every Friday we have the main show. It's a wonderful podcast where we talk classic films. Uh, Morgan is the constant host over there. I switch off hosting duties every other week with our other great co-host, Nolan Dean. And we are getting all fun holiday stuff over there as well. So me and Morgan will be talking about Frank Capra's Meet John Doe. Which, like the other famous Frank Capra holiday movie, has about five minutes of Christmas Christmas right at the end. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably more than but five. But somehow minutes. makes but every list of Christmas yes. movies. It's a Christmas yeah. movie where Christmas only happens right at the right end. Right at the end. But it's still significant to the theme of the movie. Yes. So that is what we are talking about on the main show this week. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find the show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Amazon Music, and everywhere else you can get your podcast-related things. We also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon. If you are feeling particularly generous, you can go and uh, subscribe to us on that and uh, find the tier that's right for you. Bunch of fun stuff we have going on in the patreon of course as we move into 2022 we are looking to do 
some different things as well, as we always do at the start of New Year's. That's what New Year's are for, isn't it, Janine? Yes, of course. So head on over to the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon if you would like to do that. We also have the YouTube channel, It's a Wonderful Podcast, on YouTube. We are looking, hopefully, to do at least one or two Christmas watch-alongs before the big day. Certainly, I have it confirmed now, Janine. (laughs) My own father will be joining us again for a Christmas watch-along of Home Alone 2 in New York. I'm excited. Keep an eye out for that. He was very excited to do that. He also, like I've said previously, when it comes to my dad and Christmas movies, mentioned how much he would love to also watch Deck the Halls. Because he just loves Deck the Halls (laughs) so much. So So very much. I don't understand really why. But anyway, that is coming up this Christmas on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. So we have that as well. You can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Don with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at just The Purple Don. And all your wonderful stuff is aware. You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find all of that at my T Public shop at G9Design on tpublic.com. If you want to buy any of my art in print form, you can find it at my Big Cartel shop at G9Design.bigcartel.com. Well, there we go. That's going to do it, Janine. One last round of Here Comes Santa Claus, maybe, or Santa Claus is coming to town, or perhaps. You just want to do a Santa impression. Ho! 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 Is that three, two, one, but in Santa language? Yeah. That'll do me. Bye! Bye! Bye. <laughs>